Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, it's an honor to get to speak to you this evening. If you're not quite sure what's going on, my name's Sam Bush, and I'm usually playing um, down there, but not tonight. Um, Happy New Year. It's 2017. It's nice to say that. I'm sure it's nice to hear, because no matter what last year was like for you, you're probably ready for a new start. It seems like all we've been talking about, especially on social media platforms, is just how awful 2016 was. And now, we can move on. We can put the Zika virus behind us. Same goes for election talk, of course, and same goes for celebrity icons dying before we're ready to let them go. It's 2017, and we don't have to talk about any of that stuff anymore, even things that happened last week or any lingering family holiday awkwardness or any mistakes or disappointments in your life. Well, that was the 2016 you. That's in the books. Fresh start, moving forward, new year, new me, as the saying goes. It's a popular hashtag today. I'm preaching this this evening on um, the Galatians passage that we just heard from Dan, in which there is a lot of material. In the fullness of time, a baby was born under the law in order to redeem those under the law, and that through Jesus, God has adopted us. But before we unpack any of this, I want to tell you about a movie You may have seen it. It's called Moonstruck. It's from 1987, so it turns 30 this year. Maddie and I saw it a few weeks ago, and it's been on my mind ever since, and I want to talk about it because I think it has some insight into the new year, new me mentality. The movie stars Nicolas Cage and Cher. Stick with me. Two incredible performances, actually. Cher won the Oscar for Best Actress that year, and we can now see that Nicolas Cage was certainly in his prime before making a long series of regrettable acting decisions. In the movie, Cher plays Loretta Castorini. She's a bookkeeper from Brooklyn. And Loretta finds herself in a difficult situation. She falls for the brother of the man she has agreed to marry. 
This man, the brother, played by Nicolas Cage, is Ronnie Camerari. It's a very Italian setting. Ronnie is an outcast after losing his hand in a bread slicer. And when the word gets out that he's maimed, his fiancée leaves him. And so now Ronnie has nothing. And early in the film, he dramatically says, and this is Nicolas Cage, so it's very dramatic, he says, Is it just a matter of time before a man opens his eyes and gives up his one dream of happiness? Maybe. Thank you. And so maybe she's into the drama, but Loretta ends up falling in love with this guy. And she's struggling. After all, this is her fiancé's brother. And so she decides to take control. And they're out walking one night, and they're outside of Ronnie's apartment. And she turns to him and says, Look, I'm going to marry your brother, and you're going to leave me alone. A person can see when they've messed up in their life, and they can change the way they do things. I can take hold of myself, and I can say yes to some things and no to other things that are going to ruin everything. I can do that. Otherwise, what good is this stupid life that God gave us? And who can't identify with that? I mean, that's what New Year's resolutions are all about, changing the way we've done things, taking a hold of ourselves. Every year, we say this stuff. It's empowering to think that we have the ability to get ourselves in order. It's an honest wish. But it's also an exhausting way to live, especially after a year like 2016. This is what Paul is talking about when he says that we were living under the law, that our righteousness depends on us shaping up. And Ronnie, in response, he calls her out. He says, Loretta, I love you. Not like they told you love is, and I didn't know this either, but love Don't make things nice. It ruins everything. It breaks your heart. It makes things a mess. We aren't here to make things perfect. The snowflakes are perfect. The stars are perfect. Not us. We are here to ruin ourselves and to break our hearts and love the wrong people, and die. (laughs) Ronnie is on to something here. (laughs) He understands the human condition better than any of us on this New Year's Day. Notice there's no mention of self-betterment in his life cycle. But why? What, why does he get it? Is he just wiser? Is he better educated than Loretta? No, it's because he lost his hand in a bread slicer. And it's because his fiancée left him. 
and he's at the end of his rope, and he just knows how life works. He knows that the whole new year, new me is not just a fool's errand, but a law that by the end of the year will have not only failed to improve us, but will have exposed us for how little newness there is inside of us. Touching back on the Galatians passage, we are indeed born under this law that demands perfection. And we all experience it in different ways, but it is the law of God. And at the end of the day, unless there is an equal sign between you and God, you will be found unrighteous. That's why this passage matters. God sent his son in order to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. He who created the law, Jesus, voluntarily places himself under it and allows it to exercise dominion over him to accuse and to condemn him. He who was blameless was condemned to die on a cross so that through him we are redeemed. And then Paul says that we receive adoption as God's children, which is such a beautiful image for how we relate to God. The adopted child does, in fact, experience newness when given the title of son or daughter from their new family. Yet I think the image of adoption gets oversimplified sometimes. I mean, you have a family with extra love and resources and a child who needs both, and it's, it feels like it's set up for a happy ending. And there are many of those. But the Atlantic Monthly wrote an article about a year ago about a report saying that adopted children tend to continue to struggle over time. That despite the care they receive from their adopted families, many students, not all, but many, continue to struggle in school. What's most surprising is that these struggles don't fade over time, but they actually multiply. For instance, at the beginning of kindergarten, one quarter of adopted children have a learning disability, and by the eighth grade, half of them do. But what's my point? My point is that doesn't, doesn't that increase the profound nature of adoption? That children are adopted without an end goal in mind? Nothing can shake their identity as a son or a daughter once they are given that title. Martin Luther talks about this Galatians passage. He says, A son is an heir not by virtue of high accomplishments, but by virtue of his birth. He is a mere recipient. His birth makes him an heir, not his labors. 
And if there ever was an end goal, it was and always was Christ crucified, where our sin and the law were both finished. So what does that mean for you and me? It means that when Ronnie Camareri asks you, is it just a matter of time before a man opens his eyes and gives up his one dream of happiness? The answer is, well, Ronnie, sadly, often yes. I mean, you might think otherwise until something completely unexpected happens that you really just can't control. But in those moments, when you find that your dreams are given up and that your eyes are opened, a figure may very well come into focus. The figure of a baby. That when the fullness of time had come, was born to become a man who gave up not just his dreams of happiness, but his life. So that his life is now your life. I have one more illustration. I've heard it said this way. Imagine that you're waiting at the final judgment. And you get up there. And God opens a very large book. And it says on the cover, your name and a biography complete with thoughts words, and deeds. And God reads this. And whatever is in the margins includes what you did not do. And there's good stuff in there. There's that time that you made a sacrifice for your spouse. And there's a time when you helped your kid. And there's a time when you screamed at that same kid. And there's a lot more. And no matter who you are, the verdict after your biography will end with the words, not righteous. But imagine a different scene. You wait in line. You get your turn. God pulls out a book. It's not quite as big, but it's still sizable. And he opens it, and it goes like this. He was born among the animals in a town called Bethlehem. And as he finishes this book, he says, You are my beloved son. Your biography is not the basis of your righteousness. Jesus' birth, life, and death have taken the place of your birth, life, and death. In other words, your memoir has been ghostwritten for you. And if you want to read it, I recommend Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Through Christ... You are now no longer a slave, but God's child and an heir to his kingdom 
Your fresh start, your new you, does not begin on January 1st, 2017. It began in a manger. It was established on a cross and fulfilled in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not just for this year, but now and forever. Amen, and Happy New Year.